From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Colin Young. Hello. And Maddie McLean. Hey. It's the first Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time for Game Spotlight. Last month, we talked about Spiel des Jahres nominee, uh, Splendor. This week, uh, we're going to talk about the other two nominees for the award, the most prestigious award for family game design in the world, Camel Up and Concept. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Camel Up. Colin, it's, uh, you've, you've really been enjoying that one. Yeah, a lot. Tell us what uh, the story is. Have you played it very much lately? Or? Uh, I've played it several times now. Uh, I had uh, the opportunity to uh, grab a copy for the cafe at a, at a trade show. Uh, and in a, in a nutshell, it is a... Well, it's a racing game, but it's not really. You're not particularly hoping to be the person that crosses the finish line. It's a betting game. Everyone is going to be standing at uh, ringside in 1920s Egypt for the most prestigious of the camel races that, uh, that the nation can offer. And what you're going to be doing over the course of really only 20 to 30 minutes is uh, betting on which camels are going to be ahead at each leg of the race, who's going to come in first, you can bet on who's going to come in last, you can try to influence how the camels are moving by placing little tiles on the board, and everything is kind of running around the little pyramid in the center, which is actually the custom dice cup. You're going to, every once in a while, have to shake the pyramid, and out the top will come one of the colored dice, and that will move one or more camels forward. Right, the green die comes out with a three on it, the green camel moves three spaces. Exactly right, but in the up fashion of the camel, uh, camel up, if you have a stack, anything that is above stack, a camel... You stack the camels. You can stack the camels if they're on the same space on the board as they're moving around. If a camel happens to be on top of uh, the camel that gets a die movement, so you roll... The green three, there's the green camel, but blue and orange are on top of the green. The whole stack is going to move forward. This sounds so, like a really weird camel race. Well, the Where camels... you've got camels on top of the camel. That's, that's, I don't know. The camels are more lively than horses. It's a little bit more of an adventurous type of race. It certainly sounds it. Oh, yes. It's, this is a family show. We should keep that in mind. It is a spectacle. <laughs> it is something for people of all ages to witness. The camels want it. And they want victory far more than horses do. That's my experience at the at the at the track. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Lemming Mafia. That's another game where you're, there's in this case there's six lemmings racing to jump off the cliff, and the players are a betting on who's going to win and b rigging the race to make sure their lemming wins. And there's also another one called Long Shot, which is a horse race game. But um, have you played those ones as well? Played Lemming Mafia. I haven't played uh, Long Shot. I find Camel Up more forgiving and more fun and more accessible than Lemmy Mafia, as much as I enjoy Lemmy Mafia. The bits are much brighter and more colorful in Camel Up. Yeah, can we d- can we talk about the Kameeples for a second? The Kameeples, <laughs> yes. They are, they are pretty Ladies adorable. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the word meeple is a term that uh, board gamey types use to refer to those little wooden people that, that turn, up, turn up in the games. Camel Up has Kameeples, these little wooden <laughs> camels which you can stack on top of each other, and they're quite possibly the greatest thing in this game. We're trademarking this term, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, the components are fantastic. Uh, it's very visually pleasing. Each player has cards 
that they'll be using to try to bet on who's coming in first, who's coming in last. They're all going to have a character. So either you're the rugged, handsome adventurer with the pith helmet. You may be <laughs> uh, the mysterious woman with the... Uh, the the purple veil you may be any number of characters do they have different player powers no they don't everything is okay, so it's flavor. just cosmetic yeah. so it's fundamentally about the atmosphere rather than layering complexity it is a very accessible very straightforward game how many people can play cats two to eight players right? it is two to eight players yeah. have you played with uh, with smaller large numbers of people uh, I've played a few smaller games and I've played several larger games I haven't maxed out at two or eight. But in my experience, the only thing that really impacts, uh, is impacted, is the playing time. So you have to make decisions a little differently based on how many people can do a thing. Okay, so it's not better or worse with more or less players. No, I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly at any level. Cool. And the third nominee for the Spiel des Jahres this year is Concept. This is an oddly weird game to describe. Uh, you want to take a shot at it, Maddie? Well, Concept is a game that tries to get you to guess what something is using only vague concepts and essentially abstract ideas. It's it's definitely a weird choice for the award, but it's also a really fantastic game in its own right. I, uh, uh, we I, like I, to I was pitched this one as uh, a charades for really smart people. Yeah, definitely for smart people. We've uh, the, the actual game itself is designed around the uh, this board, which has many different concepts on it, like... Uh, it'll have a heart on it. One of them will have different kinds of automobiles. One of them will have different kinds of uh, ages. So someone will be young or someone will be old. Or right. So it's got all these icons that represent different things, like a over a hundred little colored icons. Yes. For fast or slow or real or fictional or TV or movies. or. Mm -hmm. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to use these abstract ideas in very specific ways to get people to guess certain items. Uh, you do this by having one of five different markers and then a series of cubes in that color. Uh, you're going to start by placing your marker on one of these different icons, which will explain to you a bit about the idea or be the overarching concept itself. And then using the cubes, you try to narrow it down by placing it on other icons. So, so if I was going if you, if you to, if you're trying to get somebody to guess the word milk, for example, how might you do that? Well, they have uh, one space for liquid, so I would definitely put my major marker on liquid, and if you wanted to go, you could do another one on, uh, of the cube in that color on the color white, for instance. Okay, so white liquid. Um, they've got an icon for food there as well, so maybe you put it there. Oh, that would also work. Um, on the other hand, if you're going to try and express something a little more complicated, like, say, Pokemon, mm -hmm. then let's see. Okay, so you can put your main concept on toys. Toys and games is a picture of like a, a teddy bear and like some playing cards and some dice. Mm-hmm. And the, another one on electronic? Sure. Probably be a good idea. Exactly. You can have one uh, for uh, animals, mm -hmm. and then you can have little cubes in that color, the subtype cubes, for, uh, uh, for fictional. I would probably put at least one of your cubes on the money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the same color as the toy one, right? Uh, so if they put the green thing on toy, you put a little green cube on money. And then you put a red <laughs> symbol on animal, and then a little red cube on fictional, another little red cube on violent. Uh, there's, there's like the weapons <laughs> clashing. And then and they have another, like, uh, I, uh, one of these tokens, uh, the big ones, on uh, the, a, a sphere. There's shapes there, too. There's like spheres and cubes and stuff on sphere. And then we have cubes in that same color on red and white and inside. Yeah. And yep. there you go, Pokemon. So Many different ways you can do this one, which is really nice. You're kind of inventing a language 
it's uh, it's a game that I found extremely easy to teach. I mean, all you got to do is just, okay, I'm going to put some things out here so you can guess what I'm talking about. And if they can't, I mean, if they do the, the milk thing like what you were saying, mm -hmm. and they can't get it, then this probably isn't the game for them. <laughs> well, what I find so unusual about this game is that this game isn't overly aggressive in any way, shape, or form. In fact, nine times out of ten when I've seen people play it, uh, the points don't even end up mattering. Yeah, usually five minutes into the game, they just stop keeping score because they don't care. They're having so much fun just playing the guessing game, trying to get people to guess things. Uh, that's what happened with us when we were playing. And we lost interest in the points almost immediately, uh, which I guess doesn't speak well of it as a game. It's, there are pros and cons to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, and, and speaking of cons, uh, the other big con with, uh, with concept, as far as I can see, is the, uh, the barrier to entry. Because uh, so often, I mean, you, you guys have seen this a million times. People are. Uh, can I play Cards Against Humanity? <laughs> or either that, people actually come up and saying, oh, we're dumb. We don't want something we have to think. People saying that, uh, announcing that they are dumb. Not by saying, oh, I want to play Cards Against Humanity, although we may sometimes interpret that as code for that. Uh, Be nice. Unfair, never, unfairly, never. unfairly, I might add, that is completely unfair. You should never judge people by what games they like. Um, but, if, but if somebody actually says, no, 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 we're, we, we, that looks like a smart game. We don't want to play that. We want something done. That happens to me all the time. I think there are ways to sell concept to a table uh, by avoiding the, the, the illusion that it's for intelligent people. Hmm. Because it's fundamentally, as you say, it's like charades. Yeah. But charades is not for intelligent people. It's for people that know who they're talking to. Because concept, more than understanding the language, you have to understand your audience. Then you can reverse engineer that and figure out how best to explain it. How do they think? Well, with Pokemon, you may want to tell the person you're with that you're talking about a video game. Mm. Other people, you may want to tell that you're talking about a television show or a toy. So immediately, based on the scale of choices, you have to determine who you're talking to. It doesn't have to be positioned as a intelligent game. It's just a matter of, sort of getting inside other people's heads. It's more emotional intelligence or... I suppose, uh, rather than the, your standard mathy type thing, because there's no math in this game at all. Mm -hmm. It's just about communication. All right, we've covered Splendor, we've covered Camel Up, we've covered Concept. All three of the nominees for this year's Spiel des Jahres have had their time in the game spotlight. So here's the big question. Two, well, two big questions, actually. Number one, which is the better game? And number two, which one's going to win the SDJ? Any thoughts, gentlemen? Well, what's your choice, Jonathan? Uh, as far as the one that's going to win, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Splendor. It's a classic Spiel des Jahres type game in that it's easy to learn and it's got depth to it. You take a look at previous winners like Kingdom Builder, Quirkle, Dominion, uh, Zularetto, Thern and Taxis. You know, these are all games, or, you know, Ticket to Ride, of course, uh, Carcassonne. These are all games that, are, that fit that sort of niche of taking about a half an hour to play. Uh, they've, they're, they're easy to pick up on, but they have depth. And, um, and that, that, plus the presentation is just so nice. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's a perfect Spiel des Jahres candidate. It's also a little bit dry, which is also something that makes it a, an ideal Spiel des Jahres candidate. Because <laughs> generally speaking, they don't tend to go for... They'll go with games that are bright and colorful, like Splendor, but usually not games that have fantasy or science fiction themes to them. Uh, they're not going to go for something that's terribly imaginative. And they're not going to go for something that's terribly fanciful. They don't like those sorts of things, generally speaking. Uh, I wish I mean, I, I'm I'm rooting for concept because it's just so weird. I think I think my votes for concept. It's I don't think not it's because win, though. I I totally don't expect it to win, but I think that concept has that unique brand of 
creativity that games like Dixit or yeah, Dixit won some, back which in did as well. And I think this this game also has that potential to branch over and to to spread out amongst people. So even though I recognize the fact that it's probably not the number one choice, it's the one that has my heart the most. So, uh, Colin, you may have noticed that neither one of us has mentioned Camelop in either of our answers to the question, which is the better game and which will win the SDJ. How do you feel about that? Uh, I thank you for leaving me the opportunity to speak <laughs> for it. Uh, here's the catch. Concept is a great experiment. It's a fascinating game. It's a great social activity. What it does differently than Dixit is fail at its scoring and its rules. <laughs> it is, and that's a criteria. Hmm. And it won't pass that. It won uh, the Adol, the Adol in France, and the Golden Globe Award is as far as it's going to go. It's going to recognize it. <laughs> it's but true. This the the Adol in Paris is yeah. kind of like the equivalent of the Golden Globes, yeah, whereas no. the Spiel des Jahres is like the Oscars. You're not winning the Oscar this year, but we're going to give you this one. That's concept. <laughs> uh, Splendor is an addictive game. Splendor mm-hmm. is a game that is satisfying to handle. Those heavy chips are quite nice. The cards are illustrated wonderfully. The catch is that there is no interaction. I have never played a game in recent memory that has caused me to fidget so much, that it caused me to stare at cards in my own hand as much. I've never had a game that I have not paid attention to other players in my impatience as much as Splendor, despite the brilliance in its balance. Hmm. So you didn't feel that way about, with, say, previous Spiel des Jahres winners like Quirkle or Dominion or Ticket to Ride, which are all very low-interaction games. They are low-interaction games, but they still offer up a space for conversation. There's still a family quality to it. And we are fundamentally talking about the German culture, not the North American culture. That's another mm-hmm. thing, that this has to be a game that's published in Germany in this year. So and the awards committee are also uh, German as well. Um, almost entirely, they are German. So... For me, Camelop is family-friendly, plays with a variety of different people. It is not a fanciful theme. It is a race, and it's camels, but it's not sci-fi. Camels standing on top of each other, dude? It's not. It's it's in the natural historical world, (laughs) rather than being in space or in Middle-earth. Camelop's TM. Camelop's TM, pandemic. (laughs) Camelop, to me, seems like a better winner from the standpoint of it has strong rules, it has a strong presentation, uh, it has good gameplay. The winner, uh, the designer of the game has pedigree. He won the Kinderspiel des Jahres in, I believe, 2012 or 2011 for a Ravensburger game. Hmm. So the game is solid through and through. I personally think that Camelop ought to win, because of those factors. And I, I will be very, very smug in mid-July when Camelop wins. <laughs> Everyone that bought a copy of Splendor and is wearing like Splendor cosplay, <laughs> waiting for their Splendor party, uh, Oscar Styles, uh, is crushed. Yes, but you're always smug. We're not going to notice the difference. That is technically true, but regardless. All right. Well, we hope you'll be just as excited to hear the the, uh, the winners of the Spiel des Jahres this year as we, we will be, or at least as much as Colin will be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Maddie McLean. Bye. And Colin Young. Bye. Game on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas.
game on.